0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 70 of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, MLB Edition. I'm your host, Taylor Ringle. My co-host, Griffin Warner, is here as always. And, Griff, we are 1-0 from last episode's best bets. And that is my pick for the Phillies winning game one. Wow. And let's get right into it. Phillies come back with an historic comeback Maybe it's been saying, been talked about as the best game one in World Series history. Down five, they ended up winning 6 5 with a Rio Muto solo home run in the 10th. A lot of breakout players that played really well in this game, Rio Muto being one. You have Kyle Tucker hitting a couple home runs. Nola, uh, Nola did not pitch well in his first outing. And of course, like I mentioned in the last episode, about how Verlander did not pitch well, has not pitched well in his career as a World Series pitcher. He continues his historically bad stretch. And even with a five-run lead, I think I saw a stat. He's like 162-3 and with a five-run lead in his career, postseason and regular season combined. And he crashed. He got uh, an L in that one. His ERA in, as a pitcher in the playoffs around six. Griff, give me a breakdown of game one, some things that stood out to you, uh, worrisome situations for some of these teams. What are are your thoughts here?
1: Uh, Thank you. One minute into the episode. uh, Glad to uh, say something. Quite the preamble from my co-host, but I'm very happy that we got a 1-0 on our best bets. Um, I, you know, man, I'm pretty concerned about Justin Verlander, I got to say. I mean, you – I had – no idea about his World Series struggles until we did our pod actually. Um, and you nailed it. I mean, with a five nothing lead, um, I don't really know how he surrenders that honestly. Like, I don't know either. It's one of those where Dusty, I, mean, I listened to Dusty Baker's post game press conference and he was like. I mean, Justin, you know, JV knows how to get his way out of those things. And I want to be like, uh, no, nope. I feel like we should have had some idea that this wasn't working and like, let's pull the safety valve before five, nothing turns into five, five. But I guess there's was a lot of two out magic and uh sound like just Dusty was saying it was all breaking balls that we, that Verlander was leaving up. Um, makes me think that like, if that was consistently a problem, why didn't he go to the fastball, which, I think speaks to what the Phillies do, and that's they hit fastballs because things that are straight are way more likely to go over the wall. A um, big concern, honestly, for a, a, I mean, I thought that, and I still think that the Astros are going to win the series handily. But that was a pretty big gut punch to that theory uh, in Game One, and Brullender up five nothing. You got to assume that that is a uh, a victory, and if the Astros had had won that game, and then. Continued on into game two, they'd be looking at a two-0 series lead and Philadelphia on the ropes, like already. But um, I wouldn't say that that I've changed my mind and, and who I think will pick, I'll pick to win this World Series, but um major missed opportunity by the Astros in game one. And I'm worried about Verlander when he comes back in game five or game six, because I mean, he's only going to hear about bad World Series numbers until his next start, and he's probably
0: gonna press to try to overcome those again. And that's been the situation. He's pressing each and every start in the World Series during his career. He knows the pressure's there. It's not like the first time he's had pressure as a pitcher. He's been essentially the number one starter, the ace on every single team he's been on, which has only been a two. <laughs> but every single year, he has been the ace of this team and teams with uh, Detroit as well. So that's not like a problem for him. Sometimes we've seen over the years the best pitchers in the game struggle when the lights are the brightest. Clayton Kershaw, for instance, has struggled in the postseason as well. He kind of got that off of his shoulders the past, past few years, but he's been a bad pitcher overall. But now we're also see, we're continuing to see what Verlander. As for Aaron Nola in game one, four and a third innings pitch, five earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts, two home runs. Both those being off of Kyle Tucker. Now, for me personally, yes, I had the Phillies to win as our best bet here. And then I got a little cocky before the game and I put a four leg parlay in. Oh, I, I did Phillies. I had Harper to get a hit, Real Muto get a hit, and Aaron Nola over five and a half strikeouts and he hits five and I lost the parlay. Oh. Yeah, it was a bummer, but there was a nice like, uh, Situation. If you bet $25 on this one bet and you get one of the legs wrong, we'll give you 25 free bucks back, which I got. And then I bet all that 25 on the Phillies in game two, and I lost those $25. But it's, I was confident. I was confident in NOLA to have a solid outing. Clearly, it did not happen, but I was confident enough that at some point, these hitters in the, in this Phillies uh, lineup would start to hit Verlander because of the history of what Verlander's had. If Verlander had history where he was, it, it had 16 innings of a World Series experience, then it would be a lot different. It'd be, I, I would maybe side a little bit more on Verlander's side if he was that small of a sample size. Clearly, his sample size is huge. It's almost 40 innings entering Game 1 of this World Series, and we continue to see him struggle. So,
1: um, I guess my uh, you've been on the. I mean, you picked the Phillies to win the series in six. Um, was that because you thought that Verlander would would be
0: bad? I'm assuming there's more to that story than that. I I did mention in the last episode that you cause you you asked me this in this way, and I didn't really i I would say I kind of forgot to mention that. Yes, game one, knowing Verlander will be the starter, I took my overall prediction of Phillies winning in six to really to heart, knowing that the Phillies could really get game one under their belt and have a W in their win column because of Verlander's history as a World Series pitcher. Is that a gamble on my part? Yes. But I even said in the last episode too, if they come out with just one win out of the two games in Houston, that's an overall W for them. Because now... Now they go home for three straight games in Philly, and they're undefeated at home in this postseason. You know, Griff, how crazy it is these fans are, and how crazy it is to play in a postseason game in Philly if you're yeah, playing they, for the Phillies they or not. Threw
1: batteries at Santa.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter what Philly fans in general. If you're if you're Phillies or Flyers or um, you know the, the Eagles, Sixers, you're, you're these fans are ruthless. But that's the beauty about Philly sports. And we're going to see that all unfold in game three, which we will break down at towards the middle part of our show. And, of course, best bets at the end of our show, like we do each and every episode. Griff, last thing you want to talk about, anything else, talk about game one. You, we talked about the pitchers. I Maybe mean, well, how Tuve only got one hit in this game, one for five at the nah, leadoff spot. No, nah, he did. Nah. He did we, we'll talk about game two where you played very well at sure, that play, sure. But you know, we last, saw it again in last, game one.
1: The last yeah. that I have is I mean, Verlander is not going to get skipped in this rotation just because he's bad. No, in the World Series over no way, so we know he's coming back. Um, based on like rest, I mean, I think that he's probably the thing is, I do wonder if it changes the strategy like that. Maybe you don't pitch him on three days rest to then try to get him a third time in this series so instead if you pitch Friday so we get Saturday off Sunday day off today Monday we be three days rest if he pitches on Tuesday I think that puts him on normal rest Saturday Sunday Monday uh, I guess that's even a little bit quick but it might be that we only see Verlander one more time um when I thought he might be the Iron Man and try to go on three days rest twice um which the Astros don't have a, a dearth of pitching; they have plenty of it. Um, don't love that Luis Garcia came in and gave up the the game winner in Game One to uh, to JT Realmuto in in the top of the tenth. But it was like a fastball off the plate away. I, I, like I'm not changing my opinion on him whatsoever. I think the Astros still have a very deep staff, and I do wonder if that makes Verlander a one only use one more time in this series. No way. Um, I don't think so. You think he's pitching twice? Yes, I, Justin Verlander. Two more, two more times. I'm saying not just, so like. Not just his next schedule start. You're saying, okay. I I thought there might be a chance that they try to push him like faster and and use him on three days rest. That would potentially put him available. If we go Saturday, Sunday, Monday, would make him available for game two, Tuesday, November 1st. And then you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, potentially be available for game seven. I'm thinking he only goes one more time, probably on normal rest uh, on that Tuesday or potentially even Wednesday, um, Game 4 or Game 5 in Philly.
0: The situation I'm seeing, if Verlander goes one more time, which is what you said it was, a Game 5 regular rest, right? Okay. I think, depending on how that goes, I think you could see him again in Game 7. Again, in Game 7, bullpen opportunity, end of the game, middle part. whenever the, there's an emergency, you need a big timeouts. So you want to get your best pitcher on the mound, you might see Verlander an opportunity like that. Uh, the last thing I want to mention, Griffin, maybe you could give your thoughts on this as well. As I've hyped up and really got excited about how great the Phillies lineup is, and it is good, it, 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 they have the clutch hitting. We saw Alec Bowman with a clutch two-run double in game one, but Besides the top four hitters, Schwarber, Hoskins, Rymutel, and Harper—but cleanup, the rest of that order, where it goes Castellanos, Baum, Stott, and Segura, left ten runners on base in Game One. That is not great. Being Castellanos let up, let up five of the ten, and when it comes to that lower half of the order, five through nine, that is something to look forward to and to think about when you're betting on the on these teams, especially the Phillies. Their timely hitting is fantastic overall. The bottom half of the order could be a problem. You know, Bryson Stott's batting a buck 82. Segura is batting 225. Bowman's batting a buck 90, or maybe it's a little higher or a little lower now after game two. I was looking at game one batting averages. Um, they're all essentially the same, but watching the first two games and really taking a look at watching game one, that's gonna be a big problem if the they continue to struggle and score runs because they can't rely on the top four guys driving in all the runs. They just can't. I mean, we we
1: talked about this in terms of lineups. I, I think the, the power favors the Phillies though. I wouldn't really short the Astros too much on power, no. um, sure. but the length of the Astros lineup is significantly different Uh, I still think Gene Segura is an awesome hitter. Certainly not the power type, but more the contact with the ball and play. Mm -hmm. Find uh, chop it to right field if there's a gap there type thing. Castellanos has a Castellanos, excuse me, has a ton of swing and miss in his game. When he's hot, he's really hot, but I don't know how hot he is. And I think that's the big difference is the Astros have a really long lineup and they're gonna keep they're just gonna make the Phillies pitching staff work. There's no easy innings. Whereas if you're facing the the Phillies lineup right now and you get a a Veerling, uh, Brandon Marsh, Sosa, or Stott—I mean, that is a dream seven, eight, nine to get through to kind of get your pitch count down if you're a starting pitcher, or to breeze through and use one of your lower leverage guys to get through uh, that part of the the lineup. But also, the Astros don't really have lower leverage guys because everyone seems to be able to get outs in that bullpen. Exactly. Let's
0: now let's get into Game Two. Game Two. Was very interesting in a few ways. We have Valdez, who's had a great year overall, but in his last World Series appearance, he left ten earned runs in two starts, which last year did not pitch well. And Zach Wheeler, which we all thought everyone thinks is usually be the ace of this team, and he got pushed back into game two. Wheeler went five innings, four earned runs, five runs total, three walks, and let up a solo. Um, was it a solo shot? Uh, no, it was a two-run home run by uh, Bregman. Alex Bregman. Bregman, yes, on fire. Yeah, Valdez, on the other hand, pitched very well. Six and a third innings pitched, four hits, three walks, and nine strikeouts. Just one earned run. A little controversy with Valdez yesterday. There's a video circulating even last night and all day today of him having some sort of foreign substance either on his hand, the throwing hand or of his glove hand, wiping it off. It was interesting. Even Rob Thompson said, look, we're seeing it all over Twitter. If the umpires that are checking each and every inning after things over, they're checking their hands, checking the gloves. If they're not finding anything. That means he doesn't have anything. But he has to have something because the way he's touching his hands, all that kind of stuff, it looks really suspect. It looks weird. So there's that. There's the the conversation with Wheeler, how he did not pitch well, let a lot of balls up in the zone. And, of course, the Astros lamp does not, you know, they they just go off on mistakes. And also another mistake is that the Phillies left 18 runners on base. 18 Griff, including five from Harper and four from Real Muto. Not great. No. So, give me your thoughts on game two. What impressed you? What's what are you worried about? What are you thinking here? I mean, I was so in between the two games, I added
1: uh, um, plus money, plus 105 on the Astros to win the World Series. Um, at down one, nothing. Uh, like I said, I thought this was going to be a lopsided series. And I was like looking at the odds and I was like trying to come up with, I feel like the Astros are going to be favored in like every game of the series, potentially. So I agree. Um, so I, to me, it was like, okay, I'm going to just see what happens. Cause I still feel like the Astros are much better. With a five nothing lead, that should be a win. Uh, and then they got another five nothing lead in game two. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Maybe a five nothing leads the, the like most dangerous lead in in baseball or something. Now, I guess so. Um, but Framber was Framber was good. Um, I was listening to the way Dusty Baker pronounces it. it. Sounds like Framber. I've been saying Framber forever. But anyway, Framber seemed like he was pretty good. It's weird to say that out loud. But um, and I got to say, did what he needed to do to keep his team well ahead so there wasn't really any concerns I I was kind of surprised they used Montero for one and two-thirds innings I don't know if that was necessary I hope that doesn't I mean with the day off I guess it wasn't as bad um but I mean a lot to like from the Astros what we've seen in these two games they pretty much smacked around the best pitching staff or the best pitching options that the Phillies have um and that was pretty much what we, and I think a lot of what your play was based on was that the Phillies are so strong at the top of their rotation that they can kind of make up for the weakness that might be below it with Ranger Suarez. And it actually looks like Noah Syndergaard will be starting game three. Yeah, instead, that was bizarre, which we can talk about in a little bit. Um, but staying, sticking to game two, uh, it was good to see Altuve getting hits. Um, I feel like the rest of the order, I mean, there are a lot of offers in this lineup, but, but like, you get off to a big lead, and they they held on to it. Should have happened. Should be up to nothing. This series should basically be in the bag at this point. But it's not because they couldn't hold on, and then um, one good swing from JT Rob Muto made this, made this a series. So I'm still pretty confident in the Astros. They've moved pretty significantly now, um, which I can get to also after uh, we finish wrapping up game two. Um, but nothing's really changed for me so far, though I am. If I'm a Phillies backer here – I don't really know what their answers are if both Zach Wheeler and Aaron Null are going to struggle. I imagine they'll probably be better in their next start, um, but I just don't really see the next two games are going to be really tough for them. I feel like the series is definitely going back to Houston, uh, and if it does that, then they're going to have trouble.
0: Yeah, watching Ranger Suarez come out of the bullpen in game one, I was baffled. I, I was like, okay, so now he's not pitching game three. And that's what we're seeing, and we'll get into that in a minute. But it was I was really disappointed how Wheeler pitched. This was a clear opportunity for the Phillies to take really take advantage after they just had a amazing comeback in game one to take one away from the Astros in Houston. Game one winners. The odds are really good with them. Whoever wins game one of the World Series, it goes their way quite often. And then you lose a game where clearly the offense Did not even show up for the Phillies. It it didn't even show up. And, you know, Schwarber, a couple opportunities. did a couple home runs, same at bat, which was kind of close. A lot of strikeouts in this game for for actually both teams. And what's also interesting, just watching this, Altuve, Peña, Alvarez all got hits. The rest of the bottom of the order, only one hit. Tucker, Gurriel, Diaz, um, McCormick, and Maldonado only got one hit out of those. It's like a... That's a little worrisome, too. Their bottom of the order of struggles continues to struggle. There could be an option. could be a situation there. But you know what? We'll get into game three in a matter of moments because it's not going to look good for the Phillies, I don't think. It's going to be really dicey, and we'll it will get into that in a second. But first, Griff, do you know that the NBA season is going on right now? I hope you do. I know we're all in baseball. You're in soccer, too. You know basketball is going on, right? I do. Um, I can't say that I know a ton about basketball, but it reminds me I
1: have to start prepping for college hoops. So uh, get on with your stuff as I now realize I have no sleep ahead
0: of me. Yeah, because basketball, the NBA season is already underway. And with that being said, would you guys like a free chance to win a thousand dollars cash? I know I do. I would. I would. Yeah, I would absolutely do. So the, the contest is I've been saying for weeks. Beat Mackenzie Rivers NBA contest $500 first place prize and a $500 bonus. Last year, Mackenzie Rivers earned a profit of 64 NBA units last season. For this beat McKenzie Rivers NBA contest, the contestant who earns the most NBA units wins $500 cash. And if the winner earns more units than McKenzie did last year, then you get an additional $500. That is $1,000 cash. Enter today, it's free. Go to premium.com and click on the contest to find McKenzie Rivers' NBA contest. Don't wait. The NBA action is out right now. Join today is free. Win a chance to win $1,000 cash. Griff, game three is, if you're listening, it's Monday. It is today. We have Lance McCullers on the mound for game three for Houston. And in game three for the Phillies, it is former Met legend Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard is getting the bump for the Phillies. Ranger Suarez will be in game four. We saw Ranger Suarez pitching game one. We just talked about it a few seconds ago. I was shocked because I think you and I thought that Ranger Suarez would be the game three starter. I thought that was almost like a no-brainer situation, correct? And now we're seeing Noah Syndergaard in game three.
1: Yeah. Um, they talked about on the broadcast that they could use Ranger Suarez for like three because you have to use all these relievers unless they end an inning for three outs um, or three consecutive batters. Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> it sounded like they were going to use him for what looks like a very lefty heavy portion of the, the Astros lineup, which usually has Jordan Alvarez and also um, Tucker involved. Um but that he would still be able to start game three if he just had a pretty quick outing. He did have that. um, And I don't really know what's changed, but I got to say what's been going on with the rotation flip-flopping Nola and Wheeler seems very confusing to me. Slash. I don't see it in the stats. We, we talked about it on the last episode. Um, The rest stats on four days, rest on normals rest for five or six numbers flip-flopped and honestly wheeler should be going on shorter rest and he's been pitching better so there's something weird going on in that philly rotation i don't know if they're doing that to match up with the astros and give them a different look or maybe make it harder to prepare for them i'm not sure exactly what's the reasoning but um this little flip-flop is also weird to me because i'm not really sure that uh no Syndergaard has done much in the postseason so far i mean he's pitched pitched, five and a third in his pitch Five and a third in three appearances. So that's suggesting he's not going very long in this one. He went three innings against the Braves, and it looks like that was in an eight-three win on the 15th of October. Yes. Um I I mean, how far do you think I guess we'll start there? How far do we think Noah Sindergaard's going? Because watching them go to Alvarado in the fifth inning makes me feel like they're gonna Thompson's gonna use the best he got as quickly as possible. Um, probably should try to extend Syndergaard as much as possible because they're playing three games in a row. Um, but I I have low expectations on how far he will end up going. Syndergaard did start that game against the Braves and win when, when he was matched up against Charlie Morton. Um, but he only went three innings and threw 35 pitches. So I feel like this is a bullpen game coming up. I totally agree.
0: Definitely a bullpen game. Uh, what's interesting here is is how many innings he's actually going to go. And you just asked me that, and the, my answer will be, they're gonna try the Phillies, Rob Rob Thompson, and that pitching staff. is gonna be try pushing Syndergaard at least four innings. You got you got to go at least four. Give your bullpen an opportunity. Give your offense opportunity to go through the whole lineup once, and try give you some runs before you enter that bullpen. And then who's gonna be first out of the pen? That is another great question. We don't know, but Syndergaard does have some success in the postseason overall. Not just in the World Series. Um, in the, his only World Series appearance, which was in 2015, game three, he got the W. He went six innings, uh, struck out six against the Kansas City Royals. His career ERA in the postseason is a 2 3 0 in 31 and a third innings pitched with 40 strikeouts. He's never
1: and has never allowed more than three runs from what I'm seeing in the postseason correct. In career. Yeah. That, that's his, first,
0: his first outing in 2015, game two of the NLDS, left three runs against the Dodgers and then the three runs in the a World Series game three against the Royals. That's very interesting. But his last time, um the last time he went that uh, like a pretty good distance in, in an outing was seven innings strong against San Francisco Giants in game one. Of the wildcard game in 2016, struck out 10, let up two hits. So Syndergaard has the reputation of being a very good postseason pitcher. But the Noah Syndergaard from 2016 and 2015 is not the Noah Syndergaard for t- in today. Syndergaard today, what we're seeing is he's not going, he's not going distance. Velocity is definitely down. It's still high, you know, sitting hitting 96, but it's not hitting the 100, 101 like it was back in the day. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I might be wrong with the velocity there. I, I think it's even lower than that. Um, you think it's like, what, 93, 92? I, I, yeah, I, I don't think he's
1: anywhere near to what he used to be um, in the velocity category. And he's had to pitch differently. Uh, he's less swing and miss, less strikeouts for sure, Um, but had a pretty good year overall. What, what I'm looking at Syndergaard and trying to – I think four innings is what I was going to say as well. I think that's like would be a good showing for him. If they can yeah. get him through five, that's probably a dream, but I don't know that that's so realistic. Looking at Syndergaard, how he finished the season. So, besides his playoff, playoff usage, he went uh, five and two thirds as the last start against Washington, but that's a triple A team at that point. Uh, and then he had a two inning relief appearance game before that against Toronto, played another little league team, Miami, went six innings, Washington again, six innings. And then the Giants hit him around pretty hard, only lasting four and a third in San Francisco on his uh first start in September. So he hasn't really faced high competition going. I mean, certainly in the playoffs he has, but he hasn't offered any sort of length for a while. So I'm thinking it's gonna be a heavy, heavy lift for the Phillies rotation or excuse me, their bullpen in this matchup. Um, and I part of me wonders if Rangers for is an option.
0: Uh, but if he's going game four, I can't imagine they have him pitching back to back days. So Schindlergaard's velocity average velocity now is at 94 miles an hour, which in 2017 it was 99 average velocity. Definitely a significant drop. That's, yeah, that's.
1: I mean, you can probably speak to it more as a college hitter, but I mean, the amount of extra
0: time you have to decide on a pitch when it's five miles an hour slower. I mean, seeing 100 101 to a difference of seeing 94 to 95, it is on 96. It's like it's it's very different and some of you might not say usually I have that late get up in a, in a heavy fastball like that and Syndergaard has a heavy fastball. Uh, you know what I I know I I think the reason the reason I started off saying the Phillies might be asking some concerns in this game like I mentioned to start the show to start uh, our topic here is the fact that how long is Syndergaard going to go. That's all going to be determined whether or not um you know can the Phillies offense also help him out and re- take some pressure off of Syndergaard which is going to be an issue because Lance McCullers has pitched in many, many games in the postseason. I, I know he has. I just want to know exactly what he, um, what he's done. Before, before we get to McCullers, just to close off on Syndergaard, I know sure. we're going
1: way in, de- in depth, um, but he had two starts against Houston this year, both as members of the Angels before he was traded to Philadelphia. His last one was July 12th, right around the all-star break. He went four innings, gave up three runs all earned, walked four in those four innings with only Jeez. three strikeouts, one home run allowed. So that wasn't very good. Um, his previous start was the first of the year, uh, and that was, it looks like, at home against Houston. He went five and a third shutout with two walks and only one strikeout in five innings. So I think that there's going to be a lot of balls in play, which is dangerous in that Philadelphia small, tiny, not little league park, but I guess you could probably call it that, um, at least on the major league level. And I just feel like he's gonna have a really tough time with the Astros lineup. And I just, I'm looking for ways to uh, see the Phillies having a, a a chance to win this one here, and they certainly will at home. But like riding the crowd and, and hoping for some well timed home runs with people on base is that's a it's a tough way to win against a really good team.
0: Absolutely. For the other pitcher on the mound, the road pitcher here, Lance McCullers Jr. A 245 ERA in this postseason. His career postseason numbers, a 277 ERA in 68 and a third innings pitched. The longest start he's had in the postseason was in the 2020 postseason against the Rays in game two of the ALCS. He went seven sh- innings strong, one earned run, four runs total with 11 strikeouts. A lot of his starts throughout 2018 postseason were about one innings each. He hasn't pitched. He's mostly been a five, six-inning pitcher in the postseason. Are you confident that McCullers can continue his postseason success? Or his last start against the Yankees being a little concerning on October 23rd? third? It's been a, It's been a little time now where he's had enough rest to now – Maybe he can bounce back from that three-year-run start against the Yankees. They did end up winning the game, of course, and swept them that that day. But was there any concern in that, or do you have confidence that he can maybe shut the door against these, these big strikeout lineup here in the Phillies? Uh, uh, so there's never been a doubt about the talent of Lance
1: McCullers Jr. Sure. It's really Absolutely. how could he stay healthy, and that's been tough. Um, he seems healthy now. I basically missed the first half or even longer of the season but it's been really hot since he came in on August 13th has only allowed three runs in that start at, in a start at Atlanta on August 19th. And then, uh, I guess in his most recent start, I, I didn't think it was too, too poor, but ultimately I guess giving up four runs is not great in New York. Um, I was actually thinking like it's possible that maybe Lance of colors, would be unseen by the, um, by the Phillies lineup, but he did actually make a start in the regular season this year against Philadelphia. Uh, It was a good one though. Last start of the year, actually went six innings. You have just one run um, five strikeouts in those six innings. And I feel like his, his curveball is really what makes him kind of who he is. And that's going to be a really hard pitch for uh, the Philadelphia Phillies to handle, because as we talked about with them all season, really, they, are a great team that has a lot of power, but with that power comes a lot of big swings and, unfortunately, a lot of swing and miss. And I think that's what he's going to do, what he's going to target, and I think that's what will
0: make him an even more difficult uh, pitcher to beat. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be interesting. Um, The biggest question mark is how long is Syndergaard going to go. That's it. And I'll be determining whether – Maybe if you had to, you ever had to guess, Syndergaard goes four innings, first guy out of the pen. Who's gonna be the first guy? Alvarado again?
1: No, I think
0: they're gonna to try to keep him as
1: long as possible. Um, I think Bilotti has been pretty good. Besides that one outing, I think well, he, Brad Hand, and and Aaron Nola all fell apart in San Diego. Besides that, I feel like it's got to be one of those type of arms that matter. I mean, unless we're talking that cindergard Syndergaard goes out really early and then you're looking for a longer relief guy um i don't know if kyle gibson's ever gonna pitch in this i gotta say but um it seems like he's just hanging out um i, I don't know it's it's hard to say it's a good question um but i thought you were gonna ask me how far do i expect mccullers to go i'll say five innings for him um and i think that'll probably be the That i think that's what all they want really i mean maybe if he goes six if he's really hot but uh, i think that'll probably be it
0: I wouldn't doubt, yeah, I totally agree actually. I, he, he this that's who he is. He's a five six inning pitcher now. He's only pitched. He's actually pitched into the seventh inning twice. So good for him out this year against the Angels and the Rays in the month of September. What's interesting is, um, oh man, I just was oh, when do you think Dominguez will come in? Sir Anthony Dominguez has been lights out in the postseason all postseason long. That might be the most reliable bullpen arm they have. I know Alvarado's pitched really well, but I think when push goes to comes to shove, I think Dominguez is the most reliable reliever for Rob Thompson. It's a matter of if if Syndergaard struggles in this outing, you need outs early. You, they might have to go to an Alvarado or Dominguez to, to, to get big key outs. So here's, here's just some more
1: of the strategy that Rob Thompson would potentially employ. Um, if he's going to have Ranger Suarez starting game four, that means he can only really have a lefty in that bullpen, and that's Alvarado, one time. So I think that means they hold him back even further. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I wonder how that will then flip an order potentially with David Robertson, who I think he still is treating as his, uh, as his closer, most reliable. I think Sir Anthony Dominguez has the best stuff, best arm talent, best all of that. Uh, I think he's a little bit less trustworthy than Robertson. Robertson has been doing it for so long. I'm not saying that makes him better. I think I I would rather have, if I'm a Phillies backer, I'd rather have Sir Anthony Dominguez in the game. But um, I, I think those are good arms, all of them. They can all get outs, clearly. Um, but I also just don't like that comparison when we're thinking about um, the, I guess, the options on the other side and the
0: other dugout. A lot of question marks. Definitely, we were spoiled with the first two games with unbelievable, unbelievable pitching matchups. This is more of just this. The next couple of games will be bullpen games, most likely. For for game four, we have Christian Javier's be pitching in game four. Um, would we want to break down that game at all? There's nothing really to break down besides the pitching matchups here. We kind of really dove into who Ranger Suarez could be in this postseason. Yeah. Christian Javier could be another. Rangers Suarez, maybe. Hopefully, I hopefully he's not that type pitcher in the postseason. I think he can go the distance. We've seen it all year long. He's converted to reliever, starter, reliever all year long. So, would you, you want to touch on Game Four real quick?
1: Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, just since
0: we won't be having another episode until um
1: until Friday of next week, I, I think Christian Javier. I mean, based on we'll get the number for Game Three in a second. No lineup for Game Four just yet, but I imagine Christian Javier will be a favorite. Um, in Philadelphia, it's going to be tough. We'll see how much or how many outs Noah Cinder can get because I think we're looking at a tired bullpen after game three. Uh, and then in game four, it's going to be see how far Rangers warriors can go. Um, I worry about him not having a lot of swing and miss and, and facing a really strong Astros lineup. So, uh, I'm not very optimistic. I think Christian Javier is a little bit hit or miss for me, but um i'm definitely concerned for the phillies in that matchup and, and honestly a lot of why i did play the the astros win the world series after the game one loss was thinking that game one wasn't all their fault it wasn't so bad um it was kind of on jv justin verlander but the phillies just have a, a lot of odds stacked up against them based on their pitching situation
0: yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. If It all depends on game three. If the Phillies can keep things together and that bullpen is not going to be overworked in game three, then game four could be a better option. Uh, what I've noticed from Christian Javier, Griff, 6 inning guy, loves to go six innings and under. He's only reached seven innings twice in 2022, one being the no-hitter against the Yankees, and mm-hmm. then, of course, and that was a... Uh, the combined out hitter if everybody was confused. And then on July 1st, which is his last time he went seven innings where against the angels, he struck out 14 and only one earned run, no walks and that outing. He has the stuff to push it that far, but will dusty Baker let him go that far is the question that third time through the order is that that's where we're seeing through the starts this year that he's kind of struggled in those opportunities he gets out of the he gets out of it in about the, the middle of the fifth or right when those six innings are done. He's done, and then the bullpen comes in. That would be really successful outing and a successful almost game four finish for these Astros if all things go well.
1: Yeah, I I feel like based on old school mentalities with pitchers, you got to give us at least six innings. I feel like in modern day baseball right now, what we're watching five innings is like a really solid start, especially in the postseason. Um, I think that's probably the maximum you can expect from most starters, certainly the, the premier ones that are still left, like the wheelers, Nolas, Verlanders, potentially, if he can get the world series monkey off his back, um, all those type of pictures from Valdez, Framberry, you can certainly see him going deep, but, um, we're certainly into the depth part of the rotations here and we'll see how far they can go. Um, so I'm going to give a promo code for all listeners of this MLB podcast. Thank you. Of course, for sticking with us, 70 episodes. Um, slightly less nice than the last one, but still very nice. We still have a few coming. Um, so please use the code classic 20, get 20% off for all listeners of this mental podcast. You can use that seven days from the podcast release. It'll be good. You can get 20% off my picks, which come out usually every night or early morning, um, plenty of other handicappers on the pregame.com website. You basically get my thoughts as early as I got them. Uh, so you can kind of decide if you want to come along for the ride or, or kind of see where I'm I'm heading. Um, that would be my suggestion to you. But of course, plenty of other great handicappers on the website. Um, and now it's time to get into, uh, I guess, a little bit lines discussion for game three. Uh, unless you have something you'd like to
0: say. Just one thing. I, I just think it's important for just to talk about game four quickly and then we get into what's okay. important. Yeah, Christian Javier's last twenty nine and two thirds innings pitched, he's let up one earned run. That's two postseason appearances, and then one, two, three, four starts. So he's four and zero in twenty nine and two thirds innings pitched. He's let up one total run. That's pretty incredible if you if you think about it. For Javier to help continue his postseason run and continue dominance into Game Four, just a little note for everybody for information for if you're getting, if you're going to be betting on Game Four, take that with what you will. Griff, get into Game Three and the lines. Tell them tell them the people what we got here. Sure.
1: So we have the Astros and Lance McCullers Jr. visiting Philadelphia's Noah Syndergaard. Uh, current number is Lance McCullers a minus one thirty two favorite on the road. Uh, open minus one twenty five. Um, so it's climbed a little bit. Some Astros money coming in, I think, because they're probably, I, mean, I imagine this number opened with Syndergaard as a favorite, or excuse me, with Syndergaard as a probable pitcher. So I don't think that that would have been changed too much based on a pitcher switch, because a lot of people thought Rangers were would get game three. Um, but it's certainly a little concerning that the money is coming in on Houston, because you would think after Philly's performance at home, that there might be some people out there, though. Ultimately favorites usually get better early underdogs bet late um, over under is eight for this one. So a little bit higher than what we've seen in the first two meetings, um, but makes sense. Another small park, this one arguably smaller with more power alleys, I think than what you see in Houston, despite those Crawford boxes so close in left field um, from where I sit with this one uh, as a, a person that tries to play underdogs as much as possible. I just, I don't know that I necessarily feel strongly about, philadelphia here um do you got anything more you want to say about this matchup uh bullpen should be fully available fully rested lineups assuming someone doesn't didn't get hurt i mean everyone should be in there based on everyone should be available i mean you're probably sucking it up and playing through it even if you have something that's bothering you because probably nobody's healthy at this point of the season uh but do you want to get into anything before we start figuring out the best
0: bets to try to win some people some money uh, as as this episode keeps going, we talk more about Noah Syndergaard. The less I am confident in Noah Syndergaard. It's not easy for any pitcher slash any team that has their starting pitcher going three innings in the World Series to start. It would be different if Syndergaard came in in the sixth or the seventh and he pitched three innings. I'd be very impressed. Whatever. He's coming out of the bullpen. That's not the case. It doesn't come from me. Your first postseason, you're hosting the World Series game three at home. You haven't had a World Series game at home since 2009. And you have Noah Sinder on the mound. It's, you know, you, you got to just work well what you got. It's just concerning. If the guy goes five innings, which I highly doubt. That's a huge win. Even four innings might be a huge win. Three innings is tough. I know that's only three extra outs, but the three innings is it's tough because you only face that lineup once. That means there, your that means your pitcher, your your manager does not trust you <laughs> at all to get extra outs after that. So why don't we get into the best bet portion of our show, Griff? We'll start off. I know I got the W. Um, but I'll let you, I'll let you
1: go first on this one. Ah, very gracious. I mean, we we probably might double up on this one, uh, and we I might think that's perfectly okay. Um, I do think that there might be some runs in this game, uh, so I probably lean to the over. If anything, especially considering how many runs have been scored so far, um, barely the the push on the under in, in game two was surprising, but somehow made it happen. Uh, I think we both kind of feel the same way about this one, despite your interest in the Phillies in this series. Uh, I'm going to take the Astros minus 132 road favorites. Don't love them, but I feel like this sets up really well for the road team. Um, Cause I think they're better. I think they have a better pitching setup here. And I think, uh, I mean, the Phillies are not drawing dead by any means, but I feel like they're going to need a really, really great performance from Noah Syndergaard. And I don't really see that necessarily coming. And if it does, it's probably not going to go as long and, and give as much depth or as many outs
0: as the Philly bullpen will need. I'm going to take the over in this game, Griff. I'm going to take the over, over eight runs, right? Yeah, we're looking at eight runs here. Yep. McCullers can – yes, we, McCullers loves throwing that overhand curveball more than any pitch in his arsenal. But there there is times when he throws that curveball and it's a hanger, and you hang him and you bang him, and this lineup can definitely do that. I think we're going to see a high offensive game, I think, over eight runs – Makes sense. Plus, the Phillies hit really, really well at home. Shout out to Brees Hoskins who had himself an incredible NLCS, excuse me, and he loved destroying the baseball at home against a really good Padres rotation. I think we're going to see this again, but it's it's going to be dicey. If Syndergaard gets rocked early, then it's going to be a, a really interesting game for the rest of the game for the Phillies.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I feel like we're going to see some runs. I, I feel like the McCullough swing and miss it's either going to be lethal against Philadelphia or if he doesn't have it, um, yeah. it could be really tough for him to hang around. So that, I guess that's the show you can follow me on Twitter, the real underscore G Warner. Uh, we d- are expecting to do another episode for Friday. Um, certainly we'll see what happens to the world series. And, uh, Maybe if something happens, we change that s- schedule a little bit. I'm not sure. Just speaking off the top of the head here, because we do want to make sure we're advising as many of our listeners as possible before the season wraps up. Thanks for everyone for being with us as long as you have. Slide us some DMs. Uh, include Taylor and both of us if you'd like. Um, we'll get back to everybody.
0: All right, guys. You guys can follow me at Taylor Ringold. You guys can follow me on my Instagram, which my videos have been doing pretty well and on on tiktok i honestly i've gotten some mixture of comments in my last video about my pick of Phillies to win in six mostly bad mostly like <laughs> I'm, I'm crazy but i've also had some where it's like okay we we uh, we see where you're going with this follow me on tiktok follow me on instagram follow my website taylor great episode here episode 70 is in the books we have a 1 1 series in the World Series, three games in Philly. It's going to be an absolute roller coaster ride. We appreciate everyone sticking by. One of the great episodes in the books. We will talk to you guys on Friday. Talk to you guys soon.